Daniel chapter 2 as we're continuing our study. And uh, we, I, kinda, I think I did the order of service a little backwards. Normally we sing after we receive the offering, but uh, I'm a little perplexed this evening because our sign's gone. I don't know if you noticed when you came in, but our sign is just... I don't know if the rapture happened and took the sign and we're all still here. I don't know what happened. Amen. Uh, we're trying to figure it out. Brother Royce thinks he's got it, though. Somebody dropped a basketball out of an airplane at the right angle and the right speed, and it just took it. Amen. Uh, we walked over there right before the service and talked to our neighbor, and he come out the door and said that he was watching TV and was waiting on the storm to pass, and he knew a branch had fallen and hit the edge of the house or uh, shed back, back there. And so he walked to the edge, and he said, My goodness, it certainly took that sign right out. That was his reaction, and I thought, that's my reaction too, amen? Uh, So uh, I told uh, Brother Don, I reckon the Lord's telling us, Brother Ross, we need to get a new sign, I guess, out there at the road. Might as well just get one here too, because that one's falling apart as well. Might as well just do that too. So we'll work on that and uh, maybe get an updated quote on something like that for us. I just just gave you a new job in front of everybody, Brother Ross. I hope that's all right. Normally, I talk to you first, but uh, I tell you what, that's funny. Now, you can't say look for the sign off street. I don't know. It might be a blessing in disguise. People might quit pulling into that house to go to church. I don't know. But uh, anyway, Daniel chapter 2. I hope you're glad to be. If you're glad to be in church tonight, say amen. 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 I love church. I love God's people. I was listening to some sermons today while driving back and forth to work this morning, home for lunch and back. And uh, one of the assurances that John gives us that we uh, are saved is that we love the brethren. Amen? And uh, I promise you, there's no other people I'd rather be around than saved people. Uh, This world just has nothing to offer us. Amen? And so I like being around God's people. Well, Daniel chapter 2, if you'll remember last week, we started in verse 1, and we looked at the breakdown, what we're calling the breakdown of chapter 2, and we're working our way up to the interpretation of the dream here in verse 36, uh, just as a reminder, Daniel opens with the captivity of Israel about 606 B.C. The book is broken into two parts. The historical record is chapters 1 through 6, and the prophetic record is chapters 7 through 12. Now, does anybody, we we never really discussed this, does anybody know, uh, just from your own personal study, why Israel was taken into captivity uh, into Babylon? Does anybody know why? Obviously, they were worshiping idols. That was one of the reasons. But there was a specific reason because they were held in captivity for 490 years. That's where we have that silence that comes. Uh, They were allowed to go back and to rebuild the temple. Uh, uh, But we see that Israel had over 400 plus years of silence and they remained in captivity uh, for that amount of time for a specific reason. Does anybody remember or know uh, what that reason was? It's all right if you know. We didn't really cover it. We didn't really talk about it. Uh, I just didn't know if maybe anybody knew off the top of their head. Uh, Every so many years, the land was supposed to rest, right? We talked about this in a different message. Uh, Every seven years, the land was supposed to rest. They weren't supposed to work the land at all. It was supposed to be a time of rest. And so, uh, for, uh, and then on the 50th year, after the seventh seven, right? 
was the year of Jubilee, and that was when all of the land, uh, everyone was restored, those that had debts, it was wiped away, and everything was restored back to the rightful owners and the families as God had set it forth. And uh, Israel had not kept uh, that promise. They had not let the land rest, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for it was some uh, several, uh, it, I think it was 49 years. And so it was the seven, uh, 70 times seven. So uh, I know I'm not breaking that down very clear, but it's very interesting. You say, why are you telling me this? Because I want you to write down and go look at it. Amen. I want you to study it. I want you to see. Uh, but God held Israel in captivity uh, uh, every time uh, in this in this era that we're studying, because the land was supposed to rest, it hadn't rested. So I thought that was interesting to know, and so you can go and study that out even deeper. Uh, so we're in Daniel; they've been taken into captivity. Last week we looked at the troubled king. The king was troubled because of this dream, but he could not remember the dream. And so he told the counselors that he had uh, to tell him not only the interpretation, but he wanted them to tell him the dream itself because he could not. All he remembered was that it troubled him. And so uh, we remember that the uh, king was troubled. And then we also looked at the troubled counselors. And we talked about the sorcerers and magicians and astrologers and the Chaldeans and so on and so forth. And so tonight we're going to look at two specific areas from this passage in Daniel chapter 2. And then Lord willing, next week we'll get into the interpretation of the dream and the historical facts. Uh, let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 14. Daniel chapter 2, verse 14. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening, so grateful once again for an opportunity to sing your praises and to serve you. Lord, I pray now that you would help us as we uh, study your word, as we teach it, as we glean over it together. I pray that it would be an encouragement. I pray that it would be a help. Lord, I pray that you would just open our hearts and minds to receive what is being taught. Help us to learn from the example of Daniel here in this time of hardship. Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us. It's in Christ's name we pray all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Last week, we told you already what this point would be. If you're taking notes of so this, continues in my notes. This is point three under the breakdown. We see a confident Daniel. A con We've seen a troubled king. We have troubled counselors. The king didn't know the dream interpretation. He didn't know or remember the dream itself. His counselors could not interpret the dream because they didn't know the dream either because as we concluded at the end of last week, they were all liars. 
They were not wise at all, even though they were considered his wise counselors. And then we remembered in closing uh, from Clarence Larkin that a Hebrew captive named Joseph was prepared for the task uh, when the wise men of Babylon could not recall or interpret the king's dream. God had a Hebrew captive, Daniel, on the scene in this instance. So we see that God uses his people in the time of darkness even to help the Gentiles. Isn't that interesting? Amen. In a time when the Gentiles were heathen, they were uh, idol worshipers, God still had a plan. So we have a confident Daniel. And personally, I'm grateful for the progression of this story. When times are dark and the world seems to have no answers, God still has a plan. When you can't see, it was interesting. A man uh, this evening said that he was watching Dr. Phil. And there are uh, many times when people will look to those counselors for wisdom and for advice. Uh, Dr. Phil or an Oprah. They will hope that they could glean something that would lead them to a better life here on this earth. Knowing, uh, or rather not knowing or understanding that neither one of those people have any kind of answer for them that will benefit them in the long run. Now, people can give you wise counsel from their life experiences and people can give you wise counsel uh, from other sources, but ultimately, if you want to live a life that's fulfilling, then we need to understand that it's God's plan, not our plan. It's God's counsel, not worldly counsel. Verse 14, we have the words, Then Daniel. This is why I'm grateful for this progression. Because in a time of darkness, in a time of distress, in a time of of death, knocking on the door of these wise counselors, these heathen, idol-worshipping, lying counselors, God had a man prepared. Then Daniel. Notice Daniel's response to the king. It's twofold. But first I want us to notice that he did not feel victimized. Daniel did not feel victimized. Look at verse 13. The decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And what did they do? They sought Daniel and his fellows for his counsel. No, to be slain. Daniel and his three Hebrew friends were being sought because they were to be killed. They didn't seek Daniel for his counsel. They didn't seek Daniel for his wisdom. He wasn't there. Remember we talked about that last week. Uh, From the the, the timeline that we have, Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah uh, would have been just graduating from the palace university, so to speak, because the three years had been up. That was how long Nebuchadnezzar wanted uh, these captives to go through uh, uh, the schooling there. And so we have now Daniel being sought so that his life could be taken. And yet Daniel did not complain and say, now wait a second, I wasn't there. Nobody asked me my opinion. Why am I being punished for what the other ones don't know? That's not how he responded at all. Notice verse 14, Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom. He reacted with wisdom and he made a rational request. Notice his request, verse 15. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. 
How was it that Daniel could react with such wisdom and make such a rational request? Remember the request of the Chaldeans and the astrologers and the sorcerers. It was irrational. They wanted the king to give them the dream. And if they really could talk to the gods or could, could tell what was on the heart of the gods, little g, then they should have been able to tell the dream because the gods give the dream, right? That's what they would say. But they couldn't. Because they worship false gods. Daniel answered with wisdom and rationality for two reasons. Uh, uh, or rather, because he had two tools, so to speak, that he knew that he could access. The first one was prayer. Through prayer. He was confident through prayer. Look at verse 16. Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time. And that he would show the king the interpretation. Verse 17. Then... Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would, what, create some story to tell the king? No, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel did not ask the king to describe the dream simply for time. And in he asked for time that he would have the interpretation. Notice again the end of verse 16. That he would show the king the interpretation. What is that? That's faith. Daniel knew not only that he worshipped the only living God, but Daniel knew that he worshipped a God who was going to protect him. Jim Alter often says that it's comforting to know that no harm will come to you if you're living for God until God is done with you. Do you know God has a plan for your life? Do you know until the time comes when God is ready for you to be gone, when God is done, when you are finished... Fulfilling what God has put you here to fulfill, nothing can happen to you. Now, again, we have to recognize that's if we're living for God. That doesn't mean we can jump off a building and fly. Amen? That's not what that's talking about. It's talking about, and when they talk about that, that's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It interests me that we live in a world that thrives on fear. We live in a world that thrives on fear. And Christians who really should have nothing to fear are constantly afraid making decisions. And hey, and listen, can I tell I'm the biggest scaredy cat, amen? I, I'm the world's worst. Now, now, what I'm not saying is don't lock your doors, don't buy fire, don't do anything to protect yourself. That's not what we're talking about. But what I am saying is that when God puts something on your heart, when God says to do something, when God tells you to go somewhere, when God gives you a job to do, if you're living for Him and you do it, He has a plan for your life. And nothing can happen. He's not going to call you home until you're done. Now, if you're marring the testimony of God, that's different. Amen? There's some that have to be taken to protect the testimony. And so it's very interesting to see Daniel knew where his faith was. Daniel did not plead for his life because he wanted to live a few extra years. Daniel knew by faith that God would give him the answer. Notice Scripture records no reservation regarding Daniel's faith. Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. 
There was no hesitation found in Daniel according to the Scripture. We see nowhere in the Scripture where he said, Ariok, hold on, let me counsel with my other three friends and find out what we need to do. He didn't stand around uh, uh, waiting and worrying and pacing back and forth going, oh, I don't know what to do. And then it came to him, he needs to pray. No, Daniel was already a man of prayer. We see that in his life and in his testimony. Daniel is a man of faith and he knew the God who gave the dream and the interpretation. Charles Spurgeon said, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. The sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. Daniel trusted his God. Daniel trusted the Lord. Daniel knew that if he asked for time, that God would either give him the dream or he would take him out. Somehow, Daniel would be protected. He had faith. He was confident through faith. He was also confident, second, through prayer. Verse 17, Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they should desire mercies of the God of heaven. Desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows would not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. There's a story when Hudson Taylor was sailing to China to begin his missionary work. His ship was in great danger. The wind had died and the current was carrying them towards sunken reefs and, uh, which were uh, close to an island that was inhabited by cannibals. So close that they could see the cannibals burning fires on the shore. Everything they tried was to no avail. And in his journey, in his journal, Taylor recorded what happened next. And this is what he records. The captain said to me, well, we have done everything that can be done. A thought occurred to me and I replied, no, there is one thing we have not done yet. What is that? He queried. Four of us on board are Christians. Let us each retire to his own cabin and in agreed prayer, ask the Lord to give us immediately a breeze. Taylor prayed briefly and then certain that the answer was coming, went up on deck and asked the first officer to let down the sails. What would be the good of that? The first officer roughly replied. I thought him, uh, or I told him we had been asking a wind from God that it was coming immediately. Within minutes, the wind began to blow. And it carried them safely past the reefs. Taylor wrote, Thus God encouraged me ere landing on China's shores to bring every variety of need to Him in prayer and to expect that He would honor the name of the Lord Jesus and give the help each emergency required. God showed uh, Hudson Taylor before he ever landed in China every small prayer, what would seem a small prayer, every trial, every hardship, every area of his life, if he would just ask God, expecting it to happen, then God would take care. Knowing that our prayers touch the heart of our loving Father in heaven and that He can meet any need, we should be confident that He will hear and answer when we cry to Him. We need to be confident that He will hear and answer when we cry to Him. Notice verse 18, we have a united prayer. They would desire mercies of the God of heaven. They. Notice Daniel didn't go to his prayer closet on his own. He went to his three friends that he knew also knew the God of heaven. 
This is why we have prayer time on Wednesday nights. This is why we have a prayer request uh, uh, form on the back table. This is why we have a prayer list. Why? Because praying alone, while we feel like it makes us strong and it makes us more manly to not talk about the problems in our life, God understands that there is something with unity because He desires it of His people. And He wants us to unify in prayer. That means that we have to get over our own pride. Because, friend, that person that's not willing, that is a Christian, to share their burdens with other Christians, it's because of their pride. Amen. It hurts our pride. It really does. For me to come to you and say, hey, listen, I'm struggling. I'm discouraged. I'm having a hard time. Do you know what that takes? As the cowardly lion said, courage. Amen. That's what it takes. Why? Because you have to recognize that, look, you're admitting you can't make it. And that hurts our pride. But what does the Bible say? If we will humble ourselves, He will lift us up. Isn't it interesting? I was listening to a preacher this week, and it was interesting that he pointed out how backwards the Christian mentality really is to the world mentality. What is the world mentality? Keep money, and you'll have lots of money. What's the Christian, what's the the Bible teach? Give and it shall be given. The more you give, the more you get. Now we don't give to get, amen. But if we give, then God will reward. That's why it's often been said in times of hardship as a church, what's the thing that you can do? Take on another missionary, amen. Now, God also gives us wisdom and discernment to steward, amen. So we're not going to take on more than we know that we could support. That would be a bad testimony. But if we know that we could support a missionary family, and we know that we're hurting as a church, we know that we're struggling as a church, you know what we ought to do? Maybe let's take on another mission. Let's help someone else, and God will give back. Amen? That's how the... Hey, how do you lift yourself up? By lowering yourself. You lower yourself, and God will lift you up. In the world's eyes, you lift yourself up. You praise yourself. You talk about self. You do everything yourself. And you don't worry about anybody else. You can do it. You've got it. You're strong. The Bible says what happens? That comes before a fall. The Bible's very interesting. But you know what? It's right. Every time. And so when we look at Daniel's prayer life, and we see that he was confident not only through faith, but through prayer, it was a unified prayer. Daniel was not wanting all of the glory for himself, as we'll see in just a moment. Daniel understood that if they were going to live through the night, God would have to intervene. So Daniel had to get out of the way and say, Hey, friends, will you pray with me? Notice that they would desire the mercies of the God of heaven. Not only was it a united prayer, but in verse 18, we also see a direct prayer. Or a directed prayer, rather. They would desire the mercies of who? The God of heaven. The Chaldeans, the astrologers, the sorcerers, all of them had their gods, little g. Amen? They had their uh, uh, counsel that they would go to. They had their philosophy and the stars and the things that they would look to. Daniel had a directed prayer where he knew exactly who had the answer. And it was God. Notice very quickly, also an urgent prayer. Verse 18. That they should desire the mercies of of the God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So we see a confident Daniel. He was confident through faith. 
He was confident through prayer. In the next portion of the Scripture, verse 19, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. We see answered prayer. Not only do we have a confident Daniel, now we have answered prayer. And here's what's interesting about the answered prayer. We have the different responses. And very quickly, and we're, we're, we're about halfway there, I want us to see, obviously, the responses. You have God's response, which is clearly given to us in verse 19. The secret was revealed to Daniel in night vision. Listen, God is a God of faithfulness, and He will answer when His people will trust in Him. God's response was to give Daniel exactly what he desired because Daniel was asking, hey, get this, Daniel was asking for something that went right in line with God's desires. Went right in line with exactly what God wanted. So he was begging, asking God, him and his friends, we're not shown how God revealed this dream. It simply says in verse 19, it was revealed in a night vision. All we know is that God provided an answer. But I want us to focus for the last few moments, these next 10 minutes or 15 or so before we pray, I want us to notice Daniel's response. Look at verse 20. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with Him. Look at verse 23. I thank Thee and praise Thee, O Thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we desired of Thee. For Thou hast now made known unto us the King's matter. Daniel was not elated because the dream was revealed to him. He did not rush off in haste to the king to inquire if if it corresponded with what the king had seen. His soul unburdened itself in one of the most wonderful and beautiful outbursts of praise recorded in Scripture. Daniel answered, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. We see a sevenfold song of praise here from Daniel in Daniel chapter 2. First, we see the recognition that wisdom and might belong to God. Wisdom and might belong to God. Listen, you may be going through struggles. You may be going through hard times. It may feel like death is knocking at your door and you are trying to come up with the answer. Why not cry out to the God of wisdom? I don't know how to answer this. I don't know what I should do. I've read every self-help book there is. I've sought every counsel that I know. And while the Bible teaches there is safety in the multitude of counselors, oftentimes we'll run to our counselors and bypass God altogether, not recognizing that He is the God of wisdom. It's His wisdom that allows us to know how we should live. 
It's His wisdom that allows us to know where He wants us in life. It's His wisdom that allows us to know exactly who He is and reveals Himself to us. But not only that, He blessed God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. So the first song of praise are that wisdom and might are His. Do you know what we do, especially as men? Boy, we've got this. We're going to handle it. I'm strong enough. I can take care. Do you know what Daniel realized? Daniel realized through his confidence and faith and prayer that he could not rescue himself or his friends. But God could. Daniel wasn't strong enough or wise enough to get them out of the situation they were in. Hey, it wasn't their fault. They were there. Consider it. How many years did Israel as a nation disobey God. Daniel and his friends, who were just simply teenagers at the time of their captivity, would not have been a part of the majority of the disobedience and the rebellion toward God. And so therefore it wasn't all their fault. But wisdom and might of Daniel was nothing compared to the king's command that they would die. They were guilty by association. They were part of the Chaldean wise men that loved philosophy because that's where the king placed them. But wisdom and might from God could rescue them. And not only rescue them, but give them a place of authority as we'll see later on in chapter 2 and throughout the rest of the book of Daniel. You see, Daniel could have never accomplished that on his own. He could have tried to start an uprising if he wanted to. He could have tried to start some type of a rebellion to rebel against the king and had some small army follow after him. I'm sure there were some Israelites after three years of bondage and captivity who were willing and ready to rebel because there's always going to be those that want to rebel against authority. Amen? But Daniel did not seek out his own might. He did not try to fast talk or smooth talk the king, Nebuchadnezzar. He simply prayed... And trusted God. And he gave forth praise to the one that deserves it. Wisdom and might are his. Notice verse 21. The second song of praise. He changeth the times and the seasons. He changeth the times and the seasons. What was Daniel recognizing? That God is creator. Not only is wisdom and might His, but God is in control of the very earth that we reside upon. It's so funny. Isn't it interesting how we're never satisfied with the weather? I've noticed that. You work in customer service or you work really in any... Or if you just take a step back and even listen to our own personal complaints. Well, it's 80 degrees outside. Well, yesterday you were complaining because it was rainy and 50 degrees. And now it's 80 degrees and you're complaining because it's 80 degrees and sunny. Amen? Well, we've had a lot of rain. Well, did you forget two years ago the mountain was on fire, destroyed homes? Would you rather the mountain... Is God in control or is He not? Does God not know what this world needs or does He not? He does. The times and the seasons... Are his and Daniel recognized that very quickly. The third praise, song of praise, the, the, the third song of praise, he removeth kings and setteth kings up. He removeth kings and setteth kings up. 
Not only did Daniel recognize that wisdom and might belong to God, not only did he recognize that God is creator, but all authority in life is given by God. Well, I don't like who's in charge. God put them there. God put them there. They're there because God wants them there. Because they have a reason to be there. Because God in His sovereign plan saw fit to place whoever it is in charge in that moment because He's paving the way. What's He paving the way for, King Jesus? That's what it's all about. Hey, you know what the theme of the Bible is? So many people would say it's salvation, but it's not. Salvation's not the theme of Scripture. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, do you know what that is? We call that icing on the cake. In the Old Testament, they had no idea that someone, the Messiah, was coming to die for them. They thought the Messiah was coming to save them. That's why they compared the Messiah to Moses. Because what did Moses do? He led them out of captivity. He was their leader in the wilderness. He would have led them into Canaan land had he not sinned. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for a leader. They weren't looking for a savior. They were looking for someone to die. So the theme of Scripture is not the gospel. Although we're very grateful for it, and that's the theme that we have been given to pronounce and to preach until Christ comes back. Amen? That should be the main theme of our life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the theme of the Bible is a throne. Notice it. The oldest recorded account in Scripture, in the book of Isaiah, a conversation between Satan and God. You remember the story, Satan, and what did he say? I will ascend. My throne will be above the throne of God. Now, I'm paraphrasing, amen. I don't remember all the verses. There's many of them there. It's the only time in Scripture that we see Satan's true name, Lucifer. The only time. You look in your King James Bible, Lucifer shows up one time in Isaiah. I believe it's chapter 12. I believe it's chapter 12, if I'm not mistaken. Isaiah, we see Lucifer. Lucifer wants to put his throne above the throne of God. God says, no, I'm casting you out and all your followers. God gives him dominion over the earth. Amen? We see that in Scripture. He's been given. That's why it's called the prince of the power of the air. Satan has a throne. Satan has a seat, the Bible calls it. The seat of Satan. Look it up. The seat of Satan. Satan Satan has a place where he resides. He's not omnipresent. He's in one place at a time. That's why the Bible says he goes to and fro in the earth. In Job. It's about a throne. We understand that the kings and, uh, that are given uh, and the presidents and all of the different, whatever you title you give them, when we recognize the king that is ultimately on the throne, we must recognize that he is the one that setteth up kings and removeth them. As soon as he's done with them, they're gone. That's how it works. He removeth kings and setteth kings up. Interestingly enough, just as a side note, this praise is a direct result of the interpretation that was given to Daniel. Because what is the dream about? About a statue. What does each medal in the statue represent? It represents nations, kings, and kingdoms. God is in control of them all. We see the fourth song of praise. He giveth wisdom... Unto the wise. Well, he already praised him for wisdom and might are God's, yes, but now he's praising God because he giveth wisdom unto the wise. Hey, you want wisdom? 
Ask God. He'll give you wisdom. He giveth wisdom to the wise. Fifth, very quickly, let's move along. Knowledge to them that know understanding. Knowledge to them that know understanding. Do you know what those in the Bible are called that don't have understanding? The Bible calls them simple. The Bible calls them simple. They don't have understanding. And those that are simple, if they reject God, and they reject His understanding, and they reject the knowledge of God, have moved from the place of simplicity in mind to the place of fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But to the one that seeks wisdom, God will grant it. To the one that knows understanding, God will give them knowledge. Sixth, He revealeth the deep and secret things. He revealeth the deep and secret things. It's very interesting how many times people will say, Well, I don't trust that Bible. I can't understand it. Do you know why? Because they don't know the God of the Bible. Well, I have a hard time reading that old Elizabethan English. Well, the Holy Spirit says that He will give understanding. The Holy Spirit's the one... Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? That's the question, amen? He is the revealer of the deep and secret things. You say, I desire to know this book. I want to know the depth of it. I remember I loved growing up. One of my favorite preachers to hear preach at our church growing up was Pastor Jerry Young, an assistant pastor. Uh, he was just he was the assistant pastor for years. Second man in control, so to speak, if you will, under Uncle Ralph. He was the one that when he would preach on Wednesday nights, people would say, oh, it's dry. He's so boring, monotone, Amen. Lots of details, kind of like a history teacher. Kind of like a talked about that in Sunday school with Mary, history teachers, amen. Just dry. Their sense of humor is a sense of, it's almost like dad jokes. It's just a dry sense. It's not funny to anybody else, but the history teacher. But every time I heard him preach or teach, I was on the edge of my seat because, and because there were, and there were many that were like that. I'm not just saying, oh, look at me, I love teaching, but it's because I enjoyed the depth. And I didn't always quite understand it. But as I've grown, the only reason God gives us uh, an understanding of His Word is if we love to know the truth. You want to know the deep things of God? God will reveal them to you if you seek them out. So we see the sixth song of praise was that God is the revealer of the deep and secret things. The seventh, He knoweth what is in the darkness. And the light dwelleth with him. Little did Daniel know that several hundred years later, there would be a light that would shine out of darkness. That light is Jesus Christ. Not only did he prophesy and sing the praise of God that he knew what was in the darkness, but that the light dwelleth with him. Here we have a prophetic reference, just a small one, just a nugget that says that Jesus Christ was still with God even then. Why? Because Christ is God in the flesh. Jesus is God yesterday, today, and forever. That's why John's Gospel, in the beginning was the Word. He always has been. The light dwelleth with Him. Notice now the recognized, Daniel recognized credit was not his alone. That's what we gather from these songs of praise. Daniel recognized credit was not his alone. 
Daniel did not go boasting to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Hey, look, God gave me the interpretation. Did He give you the interpretation? That's what we do in this day and age, isn't it? That's what... It's so interesting to watch pastors discuss things and one trying to best the other with the wisdom and knowledge that God has revealed unto them. Not being completely truthful that they read it from somewhere else. Amen? Or you say, well, what if they read it and God gave it to them? It's from the Bible. Then they got it from God. Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Amen? It's always interesting that we see that those who are so filled with pride, and although we must remember that in the last days there are several different signs of the times, if you will, and two of them given to Timothy that we would be heady and high-minded. Amen? Pastor Bill Grady, uh, who I believe preached here a long time ago, he said, heady, that's where your head's so full, so swelled up that you can't hold it up, hold it up anymore. It's heady and then high-minded. You're so filled with pride. You think it's all about you. So I always, every time I hear that, I always think of that heady and high-minded. That's the day and age that we live in. You see, Daniel wasn't heady and high-minded. Daniel recognized that without God, he would be dead in that moment. But God gave the interpretation And he gave the dream. Not only did he recognize God in Daniel 27, or 2 verse 27, in the king's presence, but look at verse 23. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers. Thou hast given me wisdom and might and hast made known unto me uh, now what we desired of thee. Thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Notice he didn't say, again, look at me, look what I did. I prayed, God revealed it to me. Notice, he thanked God for those friends that prayed with him. He thanked God for those godly companions that he had that were crying out in the night, God, give us the dream and the interpretation of it. God, help us. The king wants our lives. But he recognized his praying friends. And then ultimately he recognized God. Look at verse 27, and we'll work our way through this next week, Lord willing. Verse 26, the king answered and said unto Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, remember that's his Babylonian name, Are thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that reveal the secrets, and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days, thy dream, and the visions upon thy head, of thy head upon thy bed are these. Notice, Daniel includes himself with these soothsayers, magicians, astrologers, and wise men. No man, king, can give you the answer you seek. But there is a God in heaven. And He maketh known the deep things. You see, in that moment, Daniel had the opportunity to once again recognize himself as the revealer of the dream. He could have had the opportunity, or he had the opportunity rather, to say that he was the one. Absolutely, O king, I can make known unto you this vision. I can make known unto you this dream. But no, he pointed the king to the God of heaven who would reveal it to him. Who do we point people to in our lives? 
When people come to you and they say, how do you go through such a tragedy and seem to have such peace and joy? How do you lose a job and still see hope, that light at the end of the tunnel? How do you go through a wayward family member that wants nothing to do with you and still recognize that there is hope? Who do we point them to? From our illustration tonight and from the message that we see, we need to be willing to point boldly and confidently there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known. There is a God in heaven that is in charge. All wisdom is His. All might is His. It's all His. He setteth the times and the seasons. He setteth up kings and removeth them. He is in control. There is a God. That's who we need to point people to.